Littler is celebrating Disability Pride Month, which commemorates the passing of the Americans with Disabilities Act in July 1990, the landmark legislation in the United States that prohibited discrimination based on disability. I'm Jennifer Duke, an attorney in the Littler Learning Group, and I'm also a member of Littler's Individuals with Disabilities Affinity Group. I'm honored to be hosting today's podcast episode where we are talking about disability inclusion. This is a deeply important and relevant conversation as people with disabilities make up 16% of the world population and approximately 27% of the U.S. adult population. Despite the high numbers of individuals with disabilities, the ongoing stigma associated with disability runs deep. Disability stigma prevents individuals from disclosing their disabilities, talking about their disabilities and how they're affected by the disability, and it can even prevent them from asking for accommodations in the workplace. But today's discussion goes beyond ADA compliance and delves into how we can change our workplace culture to truly be inclusive of people who live with disabilities. Whether you're just beginning to explore diversity and inclusion initiatives, or you want to learn more about how you can include disability in your ongoing diversity and inclusion efforts, you will benefit from today's episode. Today, we've invited Anna Curry-Golano to share her insights on disability inclusion. Anna is an attorney and principal at Littler, based in our Birmingham, Alabama office, Anna is a co-chair of Littler's Individuals with Disabilities Affinity Group and a frequent speaker on the issue of disability inclusion. Anna, I'm so happy you've joined us today. Thank you, Jennifer, for the invitation. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Anna, while I know you from working together at Littler and through the Individuals with Disabilities Affinity Group, would you be willing to share your story with our listeners? Sure. And hello, everyone. Uh, as Jennifer said, I'm Anna Galano. I'm an attorney and principal with Littler. I've been with Littler since 2008. I am also a person with a disability. I have osteogenesis imperfecta, or OI for short. Uh, it's also called brittle bone disease because a hallmark of the disease are bones that break easily. I've had a lot of fractures at least 200 breaks thus far, and a lot of surgeries also. My most recent surgery was just two weeks ago. I use a wheelchair most of the time, but I can occasionally get around on crutches. It really just depends for me on what bone is broken at the moment. When I started practicing law, I felt like disability was not a topic discussed in the workplace. Even in diversity discussions, disability was often excluded from those discussions. As more and more employers are becoming focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion, we're seeing disability enter the discussion really for the first time. I'm excited to see this shift, and I'm excited to talk today about disability inclusion. Thanks so much for sharing your story, and I think that this conversation will really help that shift and continue the momentum of employers making sure that disability is included in the diversity conversation. 
Before we dive deeper, I wanted to get into the basic question of what we mean by the term disability. Putting on my lawyer hat, the ADA defines disability as a physical or mental impairment that substantially limits one or more major life activities. I know we could dedicate an entire podcast series on how courts interpret this term under the ADA alone, but for purposes of today's conversation about disability inclusion, how should we be thinking about what disability means? Yeah, for purposes of the disability inclusion discussion, it's probably less important to define disability and more important to understand that disabilities come in different forms and impact people differently. It may be obvious that someone has a disability, but it's not always obvious what the disability is and what impact it might have on that person. For example, I use a wheelchair right now, and even when I walk independently, I have a noticeable limp. So it's probably obvious to other people that I have a disability, but I doubt that it's obvious what type of disability I have or how it impacts me. Disabilities can also be invisible or not easy to see. You might not know, for example, that a person you work with may have anxiety, dyslexia, low vision, or diabetes. Just a few examples. Disabilities can become apparent at different times for different people. Some people are born with disabilities and others develop disabilities later in life. For example, we know many adults were not diagnosed with autism or ADHD until the onset of the COVID pandemic and the life changes that accompanied that pandemic. Another thing that can make disability a little more challenging is that people with disabilities may try to mask their disabilities or to downplay the impact of disability in their life. The bottom line is that disability can be a difficult topic to discuss because it includes a wide category of issues. There's no one experience of disability, so there's no one approach to accommodating disability in the workplace. I think these are some of the reasons why disability really hasn't been part of our larger discussion on diversity. Those are some really good points that the disability community is actually so diverse within itself. And that doesn't even get into the intersectionality piece. So I know individuals with disabilities can be of any race, ethnic background, age, sexual orientation, gender identity, just to name a few. So when you look at human beings with disabilities. They also have different identities, and that just gives a better picture of how diverse this disability community is and really emphasizes that there is no singular experience of someone with a disability. So I'm glad that you bring that point up. And Anna, for listeners who are just beginning to look into including disability in the diversity conversation, I also wanted to ask a question that many may be thinking, which is, if we're already working to comply with the ADA in the United States and with similar laws across the world that prohibit discrimination based on disability, 
you know, why is it important to prioritize disability inclusion as well? That's a good question. And I know a lot of employers wonder the same thing. No doubt the ADA had a huge impact on the working lives of people with disabilities, uh, but people with disabilities still encounter barriers in the workplace. Compliance with the law is certainly important, but it's really a baseline and not enough to drive real equity and inclusion. Inclusion requires commitment from a company's leadership, and it really requires buy-in from employees at all levels, company-wide. I think one of the challenges with disability is that people tend to think of inclusivity of people with disabilities only as a social justice issue, and, and it is. But what many don't realize is that disability inclusion also really makes business sense. It's more than a moral imperative. It is true that your business benefits in a number of ways by being an inclusive workplace for people with disabilities. For example, people with disabilities often have different approaches to problem solving and can bring new perspectives to the workplace. Someone with a mobility impairment may have to make mental calculations, several mental calculations, just to figure out a safe way to enter a meeting room. I know that's true for me. Someone who thinks through logistics in such a way may bring a practical, structured approach to problem solving or a more creative approach than other employees. A Harvard Business Review study showed that companies with higher than average diversity had 19% higher innovation revenues. A 2018 study from Accenture found that companies that improved their inclusion of people with disabilities were four times more likely to have total shareholder returns that outperformed those of their peer group. Disability diversity drives business development. We're seeing also that clients are more increasingly seeking to work with companies that show a similar commitment to all aspects of diversity, including disability. I think businesses, too, just another elephant in the room for businesses is that I think they often worry that creating this discussion about disability as part of their diversity initiatives will result in a deluge of requests for accommodation and in turn greater expense for the company. But this really is not borne out by any of the data studied thus far. To the contrary, the bottom line is that it makes business sense to include people with disabilities. Thank you. Those are all really good points about why disability inclusion efforts are really important and relevant today. And I wanted to touch back on a related issue, which is something you brought up when we were talking about what we mean by the term disability and how disability can show up in many different ways. I was curious if you could talk more about what you meant when you said that sometimes people with disabilities will mask their disability. Can you talk a little more about that? Sure. Yeah. Masking or camouflaging is when someone purposefully hides their disability 
to pass as a person without a disability or tries to minimize the impact of disability in their life. This is a pretty common phenomenon because there is still a stigma associated with disability. And people tend to avoid disclosing their disability in the workplace or being open about their experience and their needs, maybe because they want to fit in with workplace norms. And maybe they're afraid of the stereotyping that might occur if they are open about disability, or they may just want to avoid conversations that may make others feel awkward or uncomfortable. So they try to cover up how disability affects them in their everyday lives. And this isn't just speculation for me. I I can relate to this. I can tell you that I felt the need, especially early in my career, to try to pass as someone without a disability. If I had a broken bone, I just wouldn't tell anyone at work about it. And I would try to hide the fact that I was hurting or, or that I could use assistance with things like getting the paper off the printer or walking a few blocks to get to a client's office. I didn't want anyone I worked with to think I was weak. And I was worried I'd be perceived, if I was honest about my disability, I was worried I'd be perceived as being unable to do my job. I know that I'm, I'm not alone. I mean, the statistics are really shocking. We mentioned at the intro that more than a quarter of the United States adult population identifies as having a disability. But the percentage of people who identify in their workplace as having a disability is much, much lower. And the legal industry, those numbers are particularly staggering. Fewer than one and a half percent of attorneys identify as having a disability. I think this just shows that the stigma exists. (laughs) There is a very real stigma or at least the perception that disclosing disability will have a negative consequence for the person with a disability. And I can tell you from experience that the mental and emotional effort that it takes to mask a disability is enormous, and it can really take a toll on an individual's well-being. Employees who feel obligated to mask, whether it's a conscious or subconscious obligation that they feel are just not able to show up to work as their authentic selves. For businesses, this is, you know, the substantial effort that employees are putting into masking disability might otherwise be directed to innovation, creativity, and productivity at work. What we're seeing is that individuals with disabilities who feel included in the workplace and who understand that they don't have to hide their disability are more likely to be loyal, engaged employees. And I don't think you can discount the value of engagement. We see lower turnover and more collaboration from employees who really feel engaged and connected and seen by their employer. This is, in my view, another business case for including disability in the diversity conversation. So much of what you just said really resonates with me. And like you, I've read many articles on how vast this phenomenon of masking is in the workplace when it comes to disability. But on a personal note, 
I've worked at Littler for almost 10 years, and it wasn't until very recently that I felt brave enough, so to speak, to actually tell some of my colleagues that I have generalized anxiety disorder. And prior to that, I had basically been walking around my whole career as an attorney doing everything I could to hide this fact and the fact that I often felt fatigue from having sort of an overactive like fight, flight, freeze response, especially when it comes to, you know, being a litigator. So I would do everything I could to act as if, you know, I could do it all. I never needed help. I didn't want to delegate things. It was almost like a more severe type of imposter syndrome where it was like a second job to, you know, hide the fact that I was experiencing these challenges um, on a day-to-day basis. And once I did decide to be more open about what was going on with me, in part because I found the Individuals with Disabilities Affinity Group and it made me feel like I wasn't alone and that it was okay to talk about these things. But once I did come out about this issue, it did feel like a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. And that's just one of the reasons that I was excited to have this conversation with you today because I think the more employers can make it okay to talk about having a disability and having it not be like a bad word or something that means that you can't do your job. I think like you're saying, the more people can show up as their authentic selves at work and just focus on the job that they're here for and that they're passionate about. So thank you for talking about the, the phenomenon of masking and, and how masking is actually quite bad for employers in addition to just being a struggle for the employees who feel the, the obligation to mask. We've been talking about with disability inclusion, the first step is really to be able to have a discussion about disability in the workplace. And I'd imagine that Many are hesitant to discuss disability, not because they don't value inclusion, but because they may not want to risk offending anyone by using, say, the the wrong words, and they may think it's safer to not discuss it at all. So in beginning these conversations, do you have any tips on how we can talk about disability in the workplace? Are there any do's or don'ts or right or wrong words that we should be aware of? Yeah, sure. Well, you know, uh, situations are going to differ across workplaces, certainly. So there's no definitive list of right or wrong ways to talk about disability. But I would suggest that when you start these conversations, maybe don't make assumptions about whether the person you're talking to has a disability or what impact their disability has on their life or ability to perform their job. As we talked about earlier, many disabilities are visible, others are not. 
and even a visible disability may not impact the person with the disability the way that you think it does. I'd suggest that while we see these conversations happening and, and people like me certainly really appreciate the opportunity to talk about disability in the workplace, that may not be true for everybody. So try to understand that not all people with disabilities want to discuss their disability. For some people, uh, like I said, for me, it's welcome because it gives me the opportunity to really have an authentic connection with my colleagues. It makes me feel like the people I work with really know me. But for others, it may be exhausting. It may feel like they feel like they have to educate others about disability. And that can be tiring, particularly in a workplace setting where it can be a distraction. I do think that discussions about disability are more likely to take place if it's clear that your workplace values inclusion of people with disabilities. At Littler, we have an affinity group for individuals with disabilities, and you're not the only one who feels a connection and, and doesn't feel alone because of this group. I'm certain that there are others at our firm who maybe choose not to participate in the group, but those who have, I think, recognize it as a safe space to talk about disability and maybe form even more closer connections to others with disabilities. I'd suggest as we talk about disability in the workplace, you know, one thing that I think has prevented these discussions or, or has been a roadblock to these discussions is something you talked about when, when you asked this question, which is the language to use. Many people prefer to refer to disability in different ways. I prefer person-first language, which is talking about a person with a disability instead of disabled person or handicapped person. But there may be the employees in your workplace with disabilities may have a different preference. And if that's the case, I would suggest that you just endeavor to use whatever language they prefer. I would consider also, and this is a difficult one for anyone really, but I would consider whether there is some implicit bias impacting the manner in which you communicate with others about disability. What I mean by that is I sometimes hear people refer to people with disabilities with terms that have a negative tone or implication about disability. One example that I hear all the time is the phrase wheelchair bound. I use a wheelchair, but I view it as a tool for independence and not something I'm sort of chained to. And that may sound like a minor thing, but I would just say as you're having these discussions, just think about what you're saying and, and the tone that you're using. Along the same lines, it can really be tempting to paint people with disabilities as objects of inspiration. This is sort of a personal pet peeve of mine just as I see more generally, people refer to people in the disabled community. But I hear comments frequently like, wow, I really admire you. If I had your issues, I wouldn't be able to get out of bed in the morning. And I know that the person making that comment to me means well. I know that it comes from a good place. But 
what they're communicating to me is that they view disability as as a bad thing or or at least as something that they wouldn't want to have. So I would just suggest that as we have these discussions, please have the discussions. Don't let fear of, you know, of offense prevent you from having the discussions, but just be aware of the way that you talk about disability. And if you're aware of it, then you can usually avoid these, you know, sort of negative tone and negative implications when you talk about disability. I think that's right, Anna, that, you know, awareness is the first step. And maybe when we do have these conversations about disability in the workplace more, some of us may stumble, but as long as we're aware and we are trying to improve and avoid the biases that we may have grown up hearing, as long as we're having the discussions, it's better than not having them at all, right? I think so. So as businesses begin to think more about how to promote inclusivity in the workplace, What are some other ideas for how they can get started beyond having the conversations? Are there any practical tools or tips that they might look into? Sure. Yeah, I'd suggest that businesses consider whether their business is is really going beyond the requirements of the ADA and actually doing all that it can to recruit, hire, and retain people with disabilities. Some ideas for consideration may be hiring a consultant, perhaps, to evaluate website facility and accessibility and and how accessible the interview process is. Consider whether your employees know who to contact and how they can go about requesting an accommodation if they need one. I'd suggest considering an employee resource group or an affinity group for individuals with disabilities. It can be, as we discussed, a helpful way to get the the ball rolling on having these conversations in the workplace. And it can be that safe space where your employees really feel connected and engaged. And then I'd suggest asking your employees with disabilities to participate in the discussion partner with them to create connection and inclusion in the workplace. And then finally, I'd say, consider whether people with disabilities are represented in your organization. Are they represented at all levels of the organization? And make an effort to recognize, empower, and engage people with disabilities so that they can be successful in your organization. Thanks, Anna. Those are some great practical steps an employer can take as they continue to improve their disability inclusion efforts. I think we've covered a lot of territory today on disability inclusion, though there is so much more that we can dive into in in a future podcast. But I'm really hopeful that our listeners have a better idea of how they can get started with disability inclusion or how they can further improve their disability inclusion efforts. Before we close, do you have any final thoughts you wanted to share? I just want to thank you for inviting me to speak today. I'm excited to see that disability has really become part of the diversity, equity, and inclusion conversation. And I appreciate the opportunity to have this discussion today. 
Excellent. Thank you. And again, I'm looking forward to diving deeper into this topic with you in the future. Thanks so much for joining us today. 